0: with Kyle. Uh, thanks for all the rave reviews from the last episode I released two weeks ago there on the uh, Stephen Kyle the official Lispin the Living in Style Podcast Network uh, coming in with such rave reviews as you say the word delve too much and oh another great review here uh, just listened somebody should be with you so thanks to everybody for tuning in Uh, to the first effort there at Sports Tate. Like I said, said, it will change. It will get better. Uh, Things will improve as we go along, including where I'm sitting. I've moved from uh, the basement with just locked doors all around me to the living room in a recliner chair. Hopefully uh, a little more comfortable. Hopefully able to uh, deliver the hot takes that Sports Tate so deserves. Coming up later in this episode, we are going to do what I talked about last time, which is I'm going to hashtag rate my take and want to get that out of the way right now saying that we will be doing that here later uh, in the episode. Please send those in at Steve and Kyle on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever's easiest for you. Hashtag rate my take uh, with whatever take you may have. It doesn't have to be sports related. I know this is a sports themed podcast, but if you have a take on everyday life, uh, like I've talked about, I had takes on checks mix, uh, camping, eating outside, whatever your take is that you think might be controversial, send that along to us at Stephen and Kyle, and I'll get to that and I'll put it to the list for uh an upcoming episode here of sports date uh the The take volcano, if you will, has been uh not not dormant lately, but it is that time of year now where sports are they're kind of in their downturn you know the n b a free agency has has wound down, and we'll get to a little bit of that coming up in a few minutes it's really just baseball now that the women's world cup is over we're in baseball season the dog days of summer the nfl training camps opening this weekend which you have that initial excitement and then everybody starts watching the initial preseason football games and realizing oh yeah preseason football uh this kind of sucks and i don't really want to watch this anymore only the diehards i think really truly stick around uh throughout the entire preseason and it's that enthusiasm for football that it's it's absolutely unrivaled uh you don't get that way about opening day of basketball season you don't get that way about uh to a lesser degree you do get that way about baseball but then you realize oh yeah there's a uh, 162 of these to go and we'll be doing this in late october when the weather has cycled not once but twice and is now cold again after being extremely hot. So NFL starting up, baseball in the dog days of summer, NBA free agency wound down. That's really where we're at in the sports world right now. The biggest news that seemed to happen after we recorded the last episode of Sports Tate was the trade of Russell Westbrook, which I think sports fans kind of thought was coming, and it was just a surprise to where he went. He was ended up being traded to the uh, Houston Rockets, in a massive deal involving just tens of millions of dollars of salary. And I'm not going to break down the Russell Westbrook trade. I've gotten into basketball, and I've mentioned, I'm not a big basketball fan. The game has changed way too much for me, and you could probably argue that, you know, even on the main podcast, I've said, yeah, I'm I'm an old man. And the game of basketball, professional basketball especially, has passed me by. It doesn't interest me. Uh, It's not very exciting to watch. We're in a... uh, A day and age now where NBA free agency is much more interesting than the NBA season, at least it has been, for the last four to six years. So hopefully that changes now. So back to Russell Westbrook, he gets traded to the Houston Rockets and a bunch of draft picks moving around. And again, tens of millions of dollars in the overpaid contract of Chris Paul moving. And a lot of people argue the overpaid contract of Russell Westbrook moving as well. And that's what brings me to what I want to talk about. Something a little different because... Teams pining for Russell Westbrook and teams pining for Chris Paul, a mid-30s point guard who appears to be difficult to work with. We now have reports that James Harden didn't like playing with him. We have reports there was rumors of him going to Detroit, but that Blake Griffin didn't appreciate playing with him when he did years ago when they were in Los Angeles. So Chris Paul moves to the Oklahoma City Thunder and inevitably going to be traded again for different pieces in order to dump that salary as Oklahoma City starts their full rebuild. But back to my initial point here, trying to figure out what exactly quantifies a superstar in the NBA. Because in an an upcoming episode of Sports Data, what I want to do, and now I know, this is not exactly a tease that makes you want to tune in to anything. But I want to get into the way that free agency and salaries work in all of these major sports, because I have a big problem with all of them. There's no league that's remotely close to perfect. Honestly, the league that's closest to being fair to their players, surprisingly, is the NHL. And now the NBA is fair to their players, but we're in a day... If you can find anybody who can explain the NBA salary cap to me in less than three hours... I would call you a liar. It is the most complex system ever based on max contracts, super max contracts and all of that stuff. And we talked about a lot of that in the last episode of sports Date, So I'm not going to rehash all of that, but Russell Westbrook in the middle of a super max contract, he is currently, he's tied for the second highest paid player in the NBA for the next four years, making 38 and a half million dollars this year. And for the, and he signed through 2022, Now, a lot of people, the suitors for Russell Westbrook weren't very numerous. There weren't a dozen NBA teams looking for Russell Westbrook's services. And most importantly, Russell Westbrook's contracts. And I talked about the NBA changing, and I think that has a lot to do with this. So when I ask what qualifies a superstar in the NBA now, I wonder, does the high usage rate a guy who needs the basketball all the time in Russell Westbrook, a 30-year-old, on the downside of his career arguably, been in the league since 2008. Played more than 800 basketball games. And he now can't hit a three-point shot, which is more important than it has ever been in the NBA. He's not a very good shooter. And he's not a very good free-throw shooter. He's only He hasn't shot uh, higher than 80% from the free-throw line since 2016. He's been on the downturn. In terms of, of offensive efficiency, he has gone way down. So his numbers have ballooned. When he came into the league, he's been a scorer his whole career, but he doesn't do it very efficiently. So when you look at the new NBA, you need somebody who can take the ball on a few dribbles and score and shoot a three, who can at least threaten you with a three-pointer. Otherwise, you are just inefficient nowadays. And Russell Westbrook is the definition of this player, making almost $40 million. $40 million to not hit a three-point shot. And... You saw what that did. The market to get Russell Westbrook was pretty minimal. And Houston, uh, there's some swaps of draft picks and things like that. But I think 10 years ago, if you trade a guy like Russell Westbrook, the NBA is bananas. The NBA is totally backwards and about uh, an MVP. The man's won an MVP in the NBA, been to the NBA Finals, uh, I believe, one time and but his offensive efficiency in today's basketball is way down. So I'll be curious to see what he does on the Houston Rockets, simply because that's a team who has taken, who has made no qualms about it. They want to just amass superstars, and they'll figure it out later. Says, "Hey, Mike D'Antoni, here's one more superstar. Take him and do what you can. Get everybody on the court. Make everybody happy." Uh, and Mike D'Antoni, to his credit. Done a very good job of doing that. So he was the MVP in 2016, 2017. Eight-time All-Star, two-time scoring champ. He's averaged more than thirty point, thirty-one points two years ago uh, in the NBA, and outside of that, twenty-eight points a game, twenty-five points a game. This last year, his worst year as a professional uh, since you know really taking on a starting role, twenty-two point nine points a game. Uh, again, very un. Modern NBA like, and this is coming from a guy who's not an NBA fan, like I've talked about. I don't see where he fits, uh, but to his credit, and I talked about this last time as well. I appreciate and I like seeing players like that move, and especially now where instead of big threes and trying to make big fours like we've had in Golden State, what we have is a lot of big twos. So you have Harden and now Westbrook down in Houston you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in Los Angeles you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis in Los Angeles it's it, you have Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving when he's healthy in New Jersey and Brooklyn so it, it's good to see a little more parity in the NBA and that's why at the start of this I said the season's been a foregone conclusion everybody just waits for free agency to get excited again and this year for the first time in a lot of years we might finally be seeing something different maybe a little bit of a shift in the NBA a little more openness as it's not a given that it's going to be the Golden State Warriors for the foreseeable future. So uh, Russell Westbrook traded NBA free agency, kind of died down. Everybody kind of set in place uh, as NFL type seems to wind up. And again, I, I do have something for that coming up in an episode. Uh, NFL salaries, basketball salaries. Good on players. I will always side with the players for getting what they deserve. Uh, I cannot for the life of me understand how there is even remotely a salary cap in basketball when it just constantly gets destroyed by contracts like these and exceptions and trade exceptions. And I, the day will come, I'm going to read a book about the NBA salary cap so I can understand it so I don't sound like such a buffoon scratching his head non-stop about the NBA. So that's really the major NBA news since, we, uh, since the last episode came out a few weeks ago and I don't want this to be a very time-sensitive podcast, so we're not going to break down daily trades, and we're definitely not going to dig into uh, box scores and who won this game, and you know, and nobody cares about the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. That's a that's a whole other topic for another day. Um, but what I did want to talk about, something that I've been thinking about for quite a while, as a as an early fan of the UFC and MMA, I jumped into UFC and MMA. In the early and mid-2000s, me and friends would actually go to the video store and we would rent the old UFCs that they would release on DVD and then we'd go huddle around a TV and we would watch those events and just mouth open watching some of these knockouts, some of these submissions, and just enamored with what it was. And what it was, especially as a teenager, it's legal uh, barbarism. You're able to watch these grown adults, men and women alike, just beat the holy hell out of each other with, you know, willingly to a degree that we didn't even see in boxing. To a degree that we hadn't seen in boxing since Mike Tyson was viciously knocking people out and they were falling through ropes and he was making a scene in the ring and out of the ring. So being able to watch UFC come to the limelight in the early 2000s, especially as a teenager, that caught my attention and I became an early fan of that. And I remember watching these old videotapes. And thinking, boy, this sport is going to be something big. And it is big. But here's my problem that I have with the UFC. Because they it feels like they're a bit stuck in these weird, old ways to do business. And it's not very athlete and human-centric. And my problem with that is related to how they deal with their fighters. And with the weight classes of their fighters. Now they have limited weight classes for all of these fighters, both the male and female side, and you have to make that weight the day before your fight in order to participate. That's pretty common everywhere, whether it be boxing, amateur wrestling, and in and obviously in the UFC and all of mixed martial arts. And that's just so you don't see mismatches. You don't need somebody in the ring 150 pounds heavier than the next guy and just watching him hurt that person. The goal is to make a competitive fight, but the problem with that is, and uh, parents see this, if you have kids in, in youth athletics and especially wrestling like I talked about, you see them in their sweatsuits with trash bags trying to lose those last few pounds because it gives you a competitive advantage if you can cut, jump down one weight class and then by the time the fight actually happens, you've you know you've drank enough water, you've eaten food, you're back up to your normal weight, you're functioning normally. There's an advantage in that. You're inherently bigger which the idea would be if you're bigger, you're stronger. If you're stronger, you can beat this guy on on the wrestling mat. And the same goes for UFC and boxing. But the way the UFC has done it is they have refused to adapt their weight classes. They have refused to add weight classes. They have refused to uh, integrate catch weights more often in terms, you know, being able to meet in the middle and not putting these fighters' health at risk. We've seen videos time and time again. And the reason I got fired up about this recently is fighter Aspen Ladd. She's a bantamweight female in the UFC. And again, if you're not a UFC fan, that name doesn't mean anything to you. And it doesn't have to for what I'm talking about here. Just know she's a bantamweight female in the the UFC. And they do live weigh-ins for an audience wherever the fight is taking place or wherever the pay-per-view is taking place. And this video is disturbing i will put it in a link here to in the show description if you want to watch it just click on the show description and you can see what i'm talking about here is fighter aspen Ladd, who on her way up she was really really on her way up the bantamweight rankings in the ufc on her way to a championship fight legitimately and she i don't know what she normally walks around as uh, bantamweight fights at 135 pounds so that, that that's not a lot. When you're training and you're trying to put on muscle and you're trying to put on mass, if you're a normal person who walks around at 150 pounds, you're trying to lose weight while gaining muscle, and it it's a weird dynamic and it's not good for your body. And the UFC has not done a good job of taking care of this. The UFC has essentially legalized cockfighting we're throwing people in there who don't who shouldn't be in there health wise they should not be approved to be in there so aspen lad shows up to her way in a few weeks ago on a friday and she is visibly not well she's shaking she can barely move to the scale her arms are just you can see that her whole body is shivering she Her her face is contorted because she's in pain. She's in pain because she had to cut so much weight just to make the 135-pound weight limit 24 hours before this fight to the point where even the person doing the weigh-in calls for a commissioner of the venue of where this is at and of at mixed martial arts to come check on her, which is just astonishing. It's astonishing that she would be allowed to... to Uh, get that far in the process there should be there's normally health checkups if you have to cut a lot of weight there's health checkups there's uh, times where commissioners and where doctors need to look at you to make sure you're not hurting yourself and somehow this slips through the cracks in the UFC in the name of well we need to sell tickets and hey we need to sell pay-per-views so Aspen Ladd who again very much on the upshot of her career she is not an aging fighter. Uh, she, she is, by all intents and purposes, going to be in the UFC discussion for quite some time. She, um, she's only 24. She's a 24-year-old woman fighting in the bantamweight division. And they call this commissioner over, and within minutes, minutes, she's approved to fight. She's approved to fight. And that drives me absolutely nuts because you know You know there's no way she was given a proper medical check in that short of time to say that she's okay. A bottle of water doesn't make that okay. When a human being can't walk, can't hold themselves up on a scale because they're so physically diminished, that shouldn't be allowed, not in just MMA, that shouldn't be allowed in any sport, and it isn't. MMA is in its infancy, if you look at it, even the NFL and professional football has been around for all of its faults, has been around for much, much longer. The NBA has been around much, much longer. These things where athletes try to get themselves in shape, and they have to be physically and mentally well, they've been around much, much longer than the UFC. In its infancy, it has refused to adapt to this, and it continues to put its fighters at risk, and for me, as somebody who was tuning in as a teenager, it's shocking. It's shocking because it's been 15 to 20 years since I started watching this, and it hasn't gotten any better. Rules might have changed. Rules might have been added. You know, certain moves and and fighting tactics may have been banned from the octagon. But to see this as a 32-year-old man is disgusting. As a teenager, I probably don't care. But I see this video, and I wonder, how can I watch this? You know, and and that goes for even watching football. It's hard to be a fan of this knowing there's people putting their bodies on the line and there's nobody there to protect them. In this case, the UFC needed to be there to protect Aspen Ladd from herself and from her camp who said, this is what you need to do to make weight. And they didn't, and they let her down. They let their fighter down, a 24-year-old woman. They let her down with a lot of career in front of her. She goes out there at the UFC event that they had had, uh, fight night, UFC fight night in California, and she gets knocked out in 16 seconds. Now, I again, those things happen. Fights happen, uh, knockouts happen. Who knows if the you know the massive weight cut has, has anything to do with it? But it's safe to say that if her weight cut goes as smoothly as she wanted, if her weight cut doesn't have her grimacing in pain, 36 hours before she's going to fist fight and combat another person. In a cage, it's safe to say Aspen Lad has a better shot at protecting herself the following night that she did. So now, a twenty-four-year-old woman is knocked out cold via punches uh, after again, and I, I really do think this after she's put out there after this physically, absolutely draining event of just trying to make weight for this fight. And again, she's hurt. These type of knockouts, when you get knocked out like that, those shorten your career you can talk, you can see boxers when you get physically knocked out that shortens your career it changes your mindset and in this case the UFC let Aspen lad down her own team let Aspen lad down uh, the UFC uh, it needs some type of oversight it's absolute, it's it's legalized it, it's more legalized cockfighting uh, than it should be and as it grows in popularity and is more prevalent in different states and everywhere um it needs, it needs oversight. It needs proper medical attention. So these things don't have to happen anymore. Absolutely disgusting there. What happened a few weeks ago to Aspen Lad? One of the last things I want to get to today, I talked about at the start of the episode, I did want to do hashtag rate my take. Again, send those in at Steve and Kyle, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever's easiest for you. Uh, send those in as well as text messages or voicemails. I'd love to play a voice message. If you have a take, 424-30-SK-POD. You can drop those in there. That's the voice number. Don't worry about anybody answering, anything like that. It'll go right to voicemail. You just leave whatever your take is on life. That's 424 And you can leave uh, your note there about what your take is. Any avenue of those works. Uh, a few that I wanted to rate today come from Friend of the Podcast and Friend of now Sports Tate. Uh, Eli Forbush, uh, he he wrote in on Twitter, uh, rate my take, neither the NCAA nor the NFL deserve our attention, or deserve our support or attention, though most of us will watch our favorite teams anyway. So Eli taking a stance there against the NCAA and the NFL, and like I mentioned, in coming episodes, especially during this downtime, I do have something. For both of those, in terms of the NCAA and the NFL, have a lot of issues with the way a lot of their athletes are treated, a lot of the way the pay structure is, is laid out for athletes and people putting their bodies on the line, so we'll get to that in a coming episode. But in terms of a take, now, when I'm thinking of rate, rate my take, boy, you've, you've got to give me some fire. And what I don't have with uh, we shouldn't support the NFL is a lot of fire, Eli. So I'm going to need a follow-up from you because if I were to rate your take, hashtag rate my take, um, boy, two fire emojis out of ten there. You're not breaking any new ground, Eli, with the NCAA or the NFL deserve our support or attention. That's been pretty well documented. Now, whether you want to take a shot at the concussion issue in the NFL, if you want to take a shot at the Uh, non-paid athletes in college football if you want to take a shot at uh, the 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 absolute bribery and scandal that is rife in the ncaa that's fine too but none of that's new you're gonna need to really you're gonna need to throw some gasoline on that take eli and i expect you to get back to me next week uh by the time we record next time here on sports tape with an improved take about the ncaa and the nfl gonna need something a little better and another one Another take came in on Twitter from a friend of the show, Jeremy Koss. Uh, Jeremy Koss, a late addition to the Stephen Kyle podcast family as he jumped on the show late. He sent in his take. The NBA has not been ruined by the Warriors. He says that this is just the status quo. It has always been a league of one versus all. And he lists, now if you look at these, and and he's a little bit, He's he's correct to a degree, so I'll go over his decades. In the 60s, he talks about the Boston Celtics. In the 70s, he said that was the exception. The 70s and the NBA were the exception to the rule in terms of, uh, you know, the best team and then everybody kind of chasing. the 80s, you had the Lakers. That's pretty, that's very true. The 90s, obviously pretty dominated by the Bulls. And in the 2000s, the Lakers again, although I would disagree to an extent the Lakers... In the two thousands, once they were dethroned by the uh, the Go to Work Pistons in the early two thousands, they fell apart and they weren't overly relevant in the mid to late two thousands. I would I would I would caution the mid to late two thousands were kind of a free for all in terms of uh, the NBA and who was winning and who was chasing who. You had a NBA championship from uh, the Dallas Mavericks, a couple from the San Antonio Spurs. Hell, even the San Antonio Spurs are probably a better choice than the Lakers. So uh, we'll include that on rating Jeremy's take here. And then in the 2010s, he mentions Golden State slash LeBron. Uh, and, and that that is true. The NBA has changed so drastically in the eight, last 8 to 10 years. We are in an era where we are chasing not just a team in Golden State, but a player in LeBron, the early 2010s LeBron obviously kind of running the league down in Miami after he left Cleveland, and then Golden State took over once they really established who they are and changed the way the basketball is played. So in terms, that's an interesting take because I think there are more exceptions to the rule than Jeremy's giving credit for. We talked about, and even these one-versus-all decades, like he talks about Boston and the Lakers and the Bulls, they all have those one or two offs where they get dethroned. You have the Pistons in the 90s. You have uh, the Mavericks in the 2000s. You have these in every decade, but it is still a chase. So Jeremy is correct in that. In terms of his take of the NBA not being ruined by the Warriors, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 just based on... That it is a very good point. We are always looking for, and the Warriors—I don't know if you could classify them as the big bad—but you always want that one big, big evil that you're chasing. It always has to be someone on the mountaintop that you're looking to dethrone. I don't think anybody thought it would be the Dallas Mavericks. I don't think anybody thought it would be, you know, the Boston Celtics or any of those teams who are kind of one-offs, winning here and there. We didn't really have that until the Gold State Warriors. It had been a while, like you know, Jeremy mentions there, since the Showtime Lakers in the early 2000s where he thought they would steamroll the NBA for a long, long time. Uh, that's a 7 out of 10, Jeremy. I appreciate it. But I don't think you gave enough credit to the exceptions to the rule there. So I'd ask you to revisit your own take if you would like to. Uh, you don't have to throw a can of gasoline on that one like Eli has to throw a can of gas on his. But I would appreciate it if maybe you took a match and some newspaper and maybe just try to stoke that fire, that 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 take, just a little bit more uh, next time you want to submit one of those. So those are the two we'll go over this week. Again, keep those coming in, 424-30-SK-POD. You can text in there anytime. Take related, at Steve and Kyle on Twitter, at Steve and Kyle on Facebook, and Instagram as well. Be sure to utilize those. Uh, the last thing I want to get to, uh, non-sports related, but something I like to do, I don't really have an avenue to just going to talk about what I'm watching and what I'm enjoying recently in pop culture and media. Uh, So it's time for what I'm obsessing over right now or what I'm obsessed with. And this past week, boy, I've been trying to get as many people on the bandwagon as I possibly could. Big Little Lies wraps up its second season. That wouldn't seem like a show that would have the type of appeal that it really does if you're not watching it. Absolutely dynamic characters you know they had the season 1 based on the book Big Little Lies a massive success won a bunch of Emmys Emmy awards for a lot of the cast members and the director Jean-Marc Vallée and they decided after a little hiatus to tackle a season 2 and del and, and kind of get away from the book and its source material to what i think is absolutely stunning multiple times a week i'm i'm gasping out loud because of a revelation something that happened uh, a show that, again, I, you wouldn't assume would have a broad appeal, but if you stick in, if you stick with it and actually give Big Little Lies on HBO an effort and, and listen and follow along with it, it is truly incredible television to be able to watch, all the way from Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman down to uh, a resurgent Shailene Woodley, who hasn't been seen in a lot of big films in a couple of years. Zoe Kravitz is really good. Adam Scott is an absolute scene-stealer whenever he's in there. Just really, really an impressive cast. Probably the most impressive television cast, top to bottom, ever put together. And of course HBO gets it and HBO does it the right way. Uh, like I talk about Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, Nicole Kidman winning a bunch of Emmy awards and other acting awards last year for her performance as the wife, the battered wife in an abusive relationship uh, with a couple of children and obviously culminating in a season one finale where a big lie is revealed. Uh, absolutely incredible writing, direction. It's beautifully shot in California. And if you're if if you're looking for something a little different, essentially the all female cast of Big Little Lies should be on your watch list on HBO. Find a way to watch this thing. It, it's surreal television. So they take season one, they they go move away from the source material of the book like we talked about, and they, they add Meryl Streep so they take what I what I just called the greatest television cast in television history and they add the most awarded actress in our lifetime in Meryl Streep and who is oh my gosh absolute skin crawlingly perfect in her role in season 2 and I'm not going to give a lot of spoilers even though it's a few years old but playing one of the characters mothers and is the it makes your cheeks burn it gives you the back of your neck a tingle during some of these scenes because it's what you absolutely hate to see it's the it's the perfect representation of passive aggressive and this aloofness or, or or a woman knowing what she's doing being played off as just generally aloof and it is a stunning feat to watch, especially her scenes with Nicole Kidman that are absolutely biting in its dialogue. It's 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 a treat to be able to watch. Season 2 just wrapped up, very, very likely to not get a season 3 simply because it's impossible to get all of these insane award-winning actresses and very expensive actresses together for an extended time. Again, I mentioned Shailene Woodley. And Reese Witherspoon, Meryl Streep now, Nicole Kidman, Zoe Kravitz, and I, I can't believe I've been remiss to mention Laura Dern, who is not comedic relief, but my gosh, is a person that you would never associate with, but will give make give you a laugh out loud moment. Typically every every week. Her character work absolutely dynamic there in Big Little Lies. Season two just wrapped up, and if you haven't watched it on HBO, be sure you are, and be sure to binge that as quickly as possible because it is well worth every hour you spend on that two-season adventure. Uh, That's all we have for this week. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, This one is a little more sports-centric, sporty sports-centric, if you will. Uh, So I appreciate everybody giving it a chance. Again, send in your takes. uh, Hashtag RateMyTake. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Steve and Kyle, 424 30 sk pod we will be back in a couple of weeks with another episode again thanks for tuning in